Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I am your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Please share the podcast. been a while since I asked if you can rate and review the podcast. That is always fantastic. We really appreciate all of our listeners, we really appreciate all of our followers on Twitter. You make Saturdays even more fun. Um, it is a mad, mad world in college football right now. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it preseason. Is this going to be another 2007? It kind of looks like it. Could it Could it somehow be crazier? I mean, maybe it could. We don't have the craziness at the top there where the, the number one team, remember, just kept losing every week in 2007. We haven't really seen that, so to speak, but... It's pretty crazy for the, I mean, top to bottom, it's pretty crazy overall. It, well, ironically, the top, which unfortunately I believe is Georgia right now, there's nothing more they can show. I mean, they're a complete team to me, and they're definitely number one. Uh, the bottom is set, you know, like it, UConn and UMass, basically. Those are the worst, you know, FBS type of, of teams. The other 127 in between, good luck. Good luck, and I guess the lesson there is don't get too high on your team and don't get too low on your team. I'm really low, but at the same time, I look at the schedule, I'm like, I, they could still win some games. Absolutely. Any any team could. Yeah. Um, and I, of course, look at things from uh, an Iowa point of view. Those are the three teams I feel comfortable about the outcome. <laughs> I think we'd get beat by Georgia and would slaughter UMass and UConn. Everybody else in between. If you don't bring your lunch pail that Saturday, you might get beat. And obviously, we're foreshadowing some of the games that we're going to talk about because we had plenty of, of examples of that just inside of the 11 games that we covered. I mean, it is absolutely bonkers out there. Yeah, competitive. It is competitive. Like, but I kind of get the sense that preseason, week one, week two, and I'm definitely one of them. I think you are, too. This is we we wanted chaos. We wanted to see more evenly matched football contests contests throughout. We're getting it, but yet by and large, I didn't think it would feel like this. Is is that fair? In what way? Um, I would say the general sloppiness slash okay. bad level. It, it, it's not meant. coming off as more exciting and keep you glued to the yeah. TV as it is. Okay. Oh my God. Who's just going to, who's going to win this football game? Well, it's a good transition to what I wanted to point out. If you recall in the preview pod, I had said, I don't understand why all these lines, the totals are so high. It, I, I thought it was you craziness, did. right? You did. Okay. So of the, of the 10 big 10 games that had point totals assigned to them because Penn state Villanova did not eight of them went under one went over and one was a push. Okay. So I was on to something there. You are on to something. And I went in in the total picks, I went seven, two, and one. Nice job. That's <laughs> you can make good money with those numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um I would just say by and large, defenses have caught up to offenses. And and is it also a situation where I would be curious if you looked at last year's draft, okay? Uh, once you get past third or fourth round, maybe doesn't make much of a difference, but was a high number of the players drafted in the first, second, and third round offensive. Hmm. And then what we have is more defensive talent 
that is back on these teams. And because of that, you just don't see as many points as you've gotten used to in the past three, four or five years. I was wondering if historically, if like Vegas knew something that week four is about when the offenses start clicking, you know, and, and, and taking off, maybe I was, and that's why I kept saying, am I crazy? All these lines are, all these totals are so high, but yeah, we saw a lot of that went way under two, way under. Now, of course, the one I but, predicted but, I mean, to go way can't... under was a push. That was the Indiana game. Crazy. Uh, uh, now, um, but you'll take a push over a loss because sure. I lost mine. But um, so with that being said, though, um, you, you can't set it. You're not going to see over under set at 38. You know, like they just. Well, sure. They, they don't no. go that low. They're, but they're, when the, you see 69 and 65 or 64, like this. Yeah. Those were crazy. Well. Should we get into them and start talking about how crazy they were? All right. Uh, All of these games took place on Saturday, September 25th. Okay, first one up. Maybe a good call by us to not make this the Big Ten game of the week, if I can pat us on the back a little bit. Notre Dame 41. Say what? Wisconsin 13. The Irish with, well, it's got to have a lot more yards, right? 41 to 13. The Irish with 200 and 42 yards to the Badgers, 318. Okay, we just said the score, 41 to 13. With uh, just over 14 minutes to go yeah. in this game, Wisconsin was leading 13 to 10. It's it's insane. And, of course, you know, so obviously this, the game was, it was not on the field. It wasn't a 41 to 13 game. It had those two late touchdowns that were surrendered uh, by Wisconsin. I actually felt felt kind of confident in so Wisconsin. In the, I'm like, so okay, I. they're only up by three, but they should be able to take control here and and ride this out and win this game. It 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 basically, and I had, I had uh, tweeted out before the game um, that that I was remaining bullish on uh, Wisconsin and Iowa State, and I would also add that. I had fought for Minnesota that they should at least be getting uh, sure. uh, not ranked, but, yeah, but, but why not getting some votes yeah. after the Colorado Which game made sense to me. I was wrong over oh, that. That'll teach me forever well, getting on board to defend Iowa's rivals. So I, I, maybe I can take a little bit of credit with that. Okay. Anyways, but with Minnesota, I'm not going to say you were wrong. They had done enough probably to be deserving of some votes at that point, but clearly yeah. not anymore. Here, here's another stat back to Wisconsin. Wisconsin outgained Notre Dame 110 yards to 60 in the fourth quarter mm. and got outscored 31 to 3. Wow. We are going to have some amazing stats we're going to throw at you in this pod. Our savvy listeners will probably know some of them that are coming up, but and and kind of back to the point you were just making. It, it was the game that you and I and many people expected. Um, I had a prediction almost carbon copied from what college football news had predicted. We saw that game. All right. My, my, uh, older brother, Doug, the Carthaginian, he was at the golf tournament event in Wisconsin Mm. earlier in the week. And some of his, uh, people he traveled with, some of the dudes were then going to the Wisconsin Notre Dame game that Saturday. That's a pretty fun sports weekend for those guys. And they had asked him, you know, what do you think of this game? And he's like, how many points do you think Notre Dame's going to score? And they're like, 24, 30? And he's like, cut it in half, you know? We were all correct for three quarters of the game. That was yeah, what happened. For sure. 
And then, boom. All right, so obviously the Wisconsin D played pretty well. They only gave up nine yards rushing on 32 attempts to Notre Dame. And that's – Karen Williams is a good running back. Absolutely. Um, But here – the obviously huge offensive problems for Wisconsin. They were one of 15 on third downs. So that means – that tells me they're just not getting ahead of the chains. And just 75 yards rushing on the game. This is not the Badgers we're used to seeing. They don't have the running – they don't have the running backs. They don't have the offensive line. It's just not what we're used to seeing. The defense is what we're used yes. to seeing. Uh, it, I don't. Nobody thought Wisconsin was going to be an offensive juggernaut, especially not a a huge pass heavy. You know, chuck it down the field. I just thought it would be consistently in second and five, third and two, move the chain type of stuff. They can't even get into that situation. No. Graham Mertz. In the first half of this game, was some of the worst quarterback play I have seen from a Wisconsin quarterback in well, so my memory. Well, so that's the thing. So they don't have the running game to lean on, so they have to rely on him, and he's just not been very good. Let's be honest. They put they put all their eggs in the Graham Mertz basket, and I wonder if they're they're looking back and saying, you know, we probably should have hung on to Jack Cohn and let him be the starter and just rode him out and then groomed Graham Mertz for the future. To be honest, at this point, I'd like to see what Chase Wolf can do because th- this is ugly. It's, it doesn't look good. No. Because the other side of it that I believe Chase Wolf could bring to the table is some legs so yes. he can get – because here's another shocking thing that's going on in, in, in Cheeseland. The offensive line is is – Definitely performing underneath what a Wisconsin offensive line usually does. You might even say that their offensive line is performing under what an average offensive so. line does. I mean, even some At least bad in pass penal- pro. Yeah, some bad penalties yeah. as well. Like, they just look disjointed. Well, but you said pass pro, but, I mean, 75 yards rushing on 29 That's attempts. Also not, that's also not good. That's bad. I mean, it, it was a slugfest for the first three quarters for both teams. I mean, Jack Cohn, obviously, that was the... That was the story coming into it. Jack Cohn, 15 of 29, 158 yards, did have the one nice touchdown throw. That was beautiful. It was nice. Um, I joke that he might be popping more things back into place other than just his finger. That kind of happened. I don't mean yeah. to laugh, but he got taken out of the game, and then a guy named Drew Pine came in, was 6 of 8, 81 yards and a touchdown. I, I mean, that was a huge part of the game. Absolutely. Um, Dave Rebson had a had a nice one. It was kind of a bad dad joke, but he called it the Notre Dame's pinecone offense. <laughs> if it's there, take it, I guess. Um, I'm still not. I do honestly think Notre Dame looked a little bit better defensively. Like like those teams were flying around and trying to put on a show in, in on Soldier Field for the big noon kickoff. There was juice in that game. So I, I feel that with that being said, I, I, another thing, and I think it kind of ties into what we talked about at the top of the show, but like every team I see on my, or on my, t- on my TV screen has flaws except for Georgia. Absolutely. Every single team has flaws. These, these two teams, even though they came into it ranked, they certainly do. I don't even know what else to say other than, I really honestly believe, and by the way, for people that don't know, how the heck did they get to 41 points? It was the nice touchdown by Drew Pine and then two pick sixes at the end of the game. By the way, that also pushed it over. Yeah, no. That, 
I know. That was trending so far under Absolutely. the entire game. There there was people probably placing afternoon bets off of the fact that they won this under bet already. Sure. And it just boom, bang, boom. That that is that was a cruel, cruel yeah, loss for anybody that had the under there. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than the one team that we follow that was involved in this game, Wisconsin. They've got things to figure out as the season goes on. And with the loss, Wisconsin falls to an odd-looking one and two with Michigan on deck. All right, next up, the Penn State Nittany Lions 38, Villanova 17. The Nittany Lions with 509 yards of total offense. The Wildcats with 280, so a score that that I was able to predict to be under 45 points. <laughs> Perk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we had no. the we had the over under yep. set at 45 for yep. the Penn State offense, and I I had them pegged at 45. 45. It had definitely a chance to go right at one point because I think did you I think your your uh, prediction was 45 to three. 45 to 10 was my prediction. Okay, for this game. it was. It was thirty-eight to ten. To 10 and I'm like, and they Kirk, had the ball. Kirk could nail this. Thing. I could nail it. But, yep. but the their second string offense was not playing very well for Penn State, and neither was their defense. Right. And, and, I mean, this really was a thirty-eight to three game. But I do want to say, the basketball school came to play. They 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 were playing hard. They they have well, okay. a pretty good FCS defense that they well. That's out what there. I was going to point out. Is is it? Is it that Villanova played well? Is it that it's a concern for Penn State? But Penn State had 80 yards rushing for a 2.4 yard average against an FCS team. You you Yikes. beat you beat me to my. And I mean, I have you know we follow a lot of Penn State fans. Talk to a couple of them behind the scenes. We're not the only ones seeing the issues with the rushing attack. When you are a a top five team, Penn State, I'm just going to say, rightfully moved up in front of Iowa in the AP. Today they that they deserve to be in front of Iowa. When you are that high up, you're going to start getting nitpicked across the board. This is a very good looking Penn State team, but that rushing attack and and the thing is is it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I have know. a lot of faith with the offensive line. Right. This is the second year with this offensive line coach. It's not like Penn State doesn't have talent in the backfield. Uh, and and to add to that, John Lovett. 11 carries, 45 yards. I mean, that was their leading rusher. That's a guy that it sometimes was buried third, fourth on the depth chart. So maybe it can be a situation where they can ride a hot hand at some point. Speaking of hot hand, Sean Clifford, 19 of 26, 401 yards, four touchdowns and a pick. He is he is getting gelled with his offensive coordinator. I, I For sure. And here's what I liked about him. Now, they came out, the first play from scrimmage was that long touchdown, which is great. It's always great to see your your uh, quarterback connecting those long ones. But I was more excited about more the intermediate passes that he was throwing that weren't just connecting, but he was putting the ball exactly where it needed to be so his wide receivers could keep running and not even slow down. And once you get that those type of talents with the ball hitting going full speed in open field, you, against an FCS team, they're they're just they're helpless against that. That is a fantastic observation. The stats to back that up: Parker Washington, five catches, 148 yards, two touchdowns. Dotson, seven catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Keandre Lambert Smith, nine catches, 111 yards. When you have 401 yards passing, somebody's going to be on the receiving end, and these guys were lucky enough to be the one. Um, 
Here's the thing, though. Okay, this is something that only Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State possess in the conference is an explosive passing attack. So when they go against a lot of these Big Ten defenses, it could be two, three, four weeks since these defenses have seen an offense like this. This It gets to be even more of an advantage than in other years, if that makes sense. So long story short, in what we've seen in the past three, four, five years is in order to win a national championship, it sure seems like explosive plays from the passing game sure. and, and, and you know explosive playmakers on the outside is what separates teams at the very top from the rest of the pack. Does does Penn State not have that? Or oh, I feel need... like they do. <laughs> I think but, they're but, right there. And here's one. And the defense, we all know the defense is good. The defense right. has been good the whole year. And here's, I guess, I don't want to say it's an excuse for their lack of running game, but Devin Ford and Noah Kane only combined for three carries on the whole game. So maybe they were just saving those guys. Yeah. I, I, I tell you one thing. When I was rooting for the, the Penn State team total to be under 45, I was really hoping they would start working on the rushing attack a little bit sure. to, to make the game go a little bit quicker. Again, we're 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 nitpicking here a little bit. There's a lot to like about well, Penn State, but that's okay. a developing story. I mean, we got to. But pay are we to nitpicking it. because we know that there's no team in the Big Ten without flaws? This is their flaw. That's it. That's yeah. their flaw. And I I I think it's a fixable flaw. I, I really do. I think so. It's something that, because the so, talent is there. Well, and and as we talked about many times in this cast, the offensive line is something that you can have gel over a season. Absolutely. It can look pretty bad early and pretty good late. And that's not the only Big Ten team that is hoping that is going to happen. We already talked about one. Wisconsin, Penn State would be yeah. another. And trust me, we've got a couple more coming up. But with the win, Penn State moves to 4-0. and All right. Next one up, divert your ears, neighbors of the Downstairs Athletic Club. Bowling Green, 14, Minnesota, 10. It is a shocker. Shocker. Let's remind. Especially when you look at these totals. The Falcons had 192 yards of total offense. So the Gophers, 241, which isn't great, but... I don't know what the data is on when you hold teams to less than 200 yards of total offense, but my guess is you win 99% of those football contests. Okay, how about if you hold them to less than 200 total yards and less than 25 rushing yards? Another stat stat here, this is from gopherhole.com. Somehow this stat line was enough to beat a Big Ten team on the road. Bowling Green, 192 yards of total offense, 22 yards rushing, 12 first downs, two of 14 on third downs, two turnovers, and they won the game. Yeah, no, that's they, impossible. They lost the turnover battle, Minnesota did, uh, three to two. So, yeah. Two plus negative two that, turnovers. Right. That's right. Well, they were neg- no, they were negative one okay. in, in turnovers, the, the Gophers were. Okay. Um, what happened here? I, I'm still not sure if I know. I mean, first of all, Trey Potts, okay, twenty-seven carries, one hundred and forty-one yards. That that's a that's a productive. It's a, it's a solid stat line. Because here's the other thing too. So we already know. By the way, my one of my you know hot predictions or whatever when we did that podcast, one of the last pods before the season started, my hot prediction was that Minnesota's defense would f- finish higher than Minnesota's offense for the national ranking. Okay. My guess is when Minnesota fans heard that, they got excited. Sure. But like that scene in The Matrix, not like this. 
not like this. Right. Like, this is not what we thought. I mean, it seems like it's a almost guarantee that this is going to be a defensive-led football team for the rest of the year. Which is weird. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going on with the passing game. It's not like they, they have a bad... They have bad personnel on the offensive line, though they're not playing well. We've seen how good Tanner Morgan can be. I think we've got three pretty good wide receivers here. Tanner Morgan, 5 of 13, 59 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. And they were both late interceptions when they really needed something. Not all his fault, but just they got nothing going on in the passing. I don't understand that. We don't, we don't like to call out players on this podcast as much as we can. But it's also impossible to talk about Big Ten football specifically without talking about the players. We love Tanner Morgan. He's a great story. We obviously follow stuff off the field as well. With that being said, P.J. Flex, number one goal to his football team, the fans, and the university is to put the best players out there. You have to look at Zach Anikstead a little bit harder. I think so, right? Do you not? I mean... Every practice, and I, I've been more, I've been to more Minnesota practices, unfortunately, than Iowa practices the past couple of years. When Zach Anikstead takes over the offense in practice, his howitzer of an arm, hmm. it always impresses you. He seems like he's got swag. Yes, I, I, he could, looks like a starting quarterback. He, he sure does. I'm not nothing against Tanner. Not saying he should be, but I, I think you got to try him out at this point. And part of that is, if you look back a couple of years, 2019. When Tanner Morgan had such a great year, such an efficient year, he, you know, he wasn't usually completing super long. It was it was all those slants, bunch of slants, and he had great wide receivers that were getting separation. I think you just need someone with a little more arm talent right now. Hmm. So you're saying like, because I do think there are tighter windows right that, now. That's what I mean. I, mean, is I feel like there's even... tighter windows, and I think I would I would feel more comfortable based on what I've seen from Anikstet hitting those tighter windows versus Tanner Morgan. And and so that's like getting down. I at least to, want to see it. Right. And that's mostly what I was going to say. Like that, that's getting down to, to the details. The 10,000 foot view is the offense and passing attack can't look much worse. So what are you hurting by right. putting Zach Anna sure. said in there? Now, if, if Tanner Morgan's stat line looked almost the exact same without the picks, you could say he's doing a game management thing. He's not hurting his team. But when you throw for 59 yards and two picks, you are not effective and you're hurting your team. Again, what do we have to lose? And we kind of glanced over this, but at 30.5, okay, as far as like some of the biggest upsets in the history of college football, I don't, it's not like something that, you know, when Stanford back in the Harbaugh days, the first time they beat USC, I mean, that, that's, that was also a ranked team that they took down. Okay. Yeah. But just going off how Vegas set this at 30.5, this is one of the biggest upsets in college football in the last decade. Easy. Right. I was thinking it probably, this, this is definitely it's tied. Can't... It's weird. There was a bunch of them tied okay. at 30.5, literally at 30.5. Hmm, interesting. And the funny thing is, is one of my gambling tenants that I've used in the past is Minnesota plays up and down to their competition. Yeah, of course. So here we had it was it was just low hanging fruit here, right? And shame on me, I picked Minnesota cover here. And I, I mean, I picked Bowling Green, but I barely picked Bowling Green because I I I just was nervous about how poor Bowling Green was. I mean, 
that's the thing that's glossed over. This was right. This has not been a good looking football team. Well, I picked Minnesota, but Shea, I'm never going to do that again because we know they for, play up and for down. those type of games. We know they play up and down. So I'm always going to pick the other team if it's a bad team. Um, here, so this this is something not to pour salt into the wound, but wide receivers for Minnesota yesterday had two total receptions. For 34 yards. And we're talking Chris Ottman-Bell, yeah, Daniel Jackson. Wright, Daniel Jackson. Yeah. These guys are talented dudes. Yes. So it is either scheme or the person throwing it to them. That's all it can be. I'm not saying I know. I don't know. What we'll about having you. Matt Simon call plays and just see what happens? Minnesota's offensive coordinator is not well thought upon with other people that I read and podcasts I listen to. That's no. that's all I'm saying. And we've seen Matt Simon in a bowl game call plays, and he was outstanding. Let's it's just a, give it a shot. A, it's a. I mean, at this point, what do you have to lose? Now, the good news is it, it wasn't a conference loss, right? Sure. Um, people thought they were going to go 3-0 in conference. By the way, another salt in the wound that ended the streak. Ended PJ's streak, ended Minnesota's streak for non-conference yeah. wins. That's another thing. Um, I don't know. There's not much else to say other than there's rumors. You know, there's chata, as as my podcast partner says, that maybe maybe PJ's a little distracted. Uh, I out, don't know. Out west. I mean, I'm not saying he's not talking to them. Maybe he is. Yeah, bet you Heather is. She's she's got to be interested. Yeah, maybe that's the distraction for PJ. <laughs> she could get some nice bags and stuff i don't know what anyways. um yeah anyways with the loss minnesota falls to an odd looking two and two next game up sweet baby jesus northwestern 35 ohio six the wildcats with 461 yards of total offense the bobcats had 348 that was an offense that had been struggling coming into the year I'm not sure what to make what is, of this what, game. Like this, it's because they blew them out. But at the same time, you know, you're not used to Northwestern giving up 348 yards to a team like this. And, and Ohio then, had 5.8 yards rushing average, right? And they turned the ball over three times, right? Uh, it's, it, so, and the other thing, it's not like Northwestern came out of the gate and just blew their doors off in the first quarter and coasted. No, no, no. This was a slow this burn a the grind. whole game. This was a grind. So it didn't feel. Like a thirty-five to six blowout, so much. I there, didn't think so. There was a numerous amount of podcasters and you know some of our awesome listeners that I DM with that were all over Ohio and the points. That mm-hmm. that was a very popular take by a lot of people. I liked and, the under. It hit and it hit again. Another pretty much auto bet. Just set it on auto bet at the beginning of the year. Yeah, you'll probably go something like. Nine and three or yeah. eight and four against the spread with the under with that. Um, but my my warning to those people was, you know, this is this is a really pretty bad Ohio team. That definitely played into it. But the other thing that played into it, Evan Hall, 22 carries, 216 yards, two touchdowns. That essentially was the only thing working, and that was enough. Yeah, and even if he had that 90-yarder, which I guess was the third longest run in Northwestern history, so you can you can say that skewed his stats, but if you take out the 90-yarder, he still had a good game still on those other game. 21 carries. Yeah, it was a productive and then, day. I mean, who the heck is this? Andrew Clare. He he actually had a pretty solid game on the ground. Only eight carries, but had 71 yards there. Yeah, that's they just a, shoved it down Ohio's so, throat. So they were running the ball well, but... 
passing the ball. So they're down to their third stringer, Ryan Holinsky, who I thought was going to start. I thought he was a shoo-in. 12 of 20 for 88 yards. Oof. I mean, it's somewhat efficient, 12 of 20. No no, no picks. No I mean, picks, it, no touchdowns. You guys can it's see just, Kurt's just does not look good. No. I mean, right now it's like it's like a three quarterback pinwheel, and we're just, you know, for Northwestern, and every Saturday just go. Yeah. And I, I don't know that it, I don't know that it really matters at this point who you play other than. I mean, the best performance so far. Is by who, Joe? Well, okay, I take that. There's been two. Marty no, was that's good last true. week. Marty was he pretty good. He kind of came in against Duke, but yeah, who at one point struggled against Kansas. Oh, mercy. They did put him away, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of Northwestern. Neither do I. I'll say this much. I did put a tweet out at one point Saturday evening that said, please, God, just don't make it Northwestern. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So a couple positive. And I know up. that's going to piss off Northwestern fans, but I'm sorry. We're an Iowa and Illinois person like we're trying to be. We're just tired of it. Yeah. So 373 total yards rushing and then 8 of 15 on third down as well. Both So efficient there. there. Yeah. I mean, the, looking at the conference, Northwestern can win games just like this. I know. They can win games like this. I know. So I don't know what to make of it, except I feel like a lot of dirt was getting shoved, you know, you're getting tossed on Fitzy and Northwestern's grave. I, this is not a win. I don't think this is a get to Indianapolis team. Okay. They just, I mean, it doesn't look like it, but, but this, is ever. A, this is a, could beat you on Saturday team. I know oh, for, yes. for pretty for, much everybody that we're going to talk about here. And just goes back to what we're talking about opening the podcast. I mean, anybody can beat anybody just about. And Northwestern is in that conversation. Yes, of course. With the win, Northwestern moves to a familiar-looking two-and-two. <laughs> Next game up. This was a game, huh? Michigan 20, Rutgers 13. The Wolverines with 275 yards. Total offense, that's it. To the Scarlet Knights, 352. All right, so, the, so start with Michigan because they won the game. Conference win. Got to give them credit. They had a fast start in this game, too. So they only had 275 yards. They came out their first drive, 17 plays, 74 yards, and that's kind of what we expected to see. They'd grind it out on the ground. They'd, they'd win that game eventually on the ground. and then the, But the second possession, four plays, 72 yards, a little faster. After that, they did nothing offensive. They got half of their rushing yards on the first drive. That's insane. Totally insane. Hundred. This was the best rushing team in the country. They only rushed for 112 yards, and half of those were on the first possession. Um, so I'm I'm a little proud of myself in that I was I was ready to make gigantic bold statements about Michigan's offense and rushing attack specifically, but I said on the last podcast I want to see it one more week versus a real big boy defense. Sure. We saw a real big boy defense, and so then the other thing too, I'm gonna break my arm, pat myself on the back here, but. Um, um, text behind the scenes with, with Jordan, my prediction, Jordan Eggleston, right? Jordan Eggleston. Yep. yep. Great follow on Twitter for any Michigan fan or just big 10 fan in general. Um, but I, had, I had predicted that the halftime score would be Michigan 20 Northwestern seven. It was uh, 20 Rutgers to three, seven. excuse me, Mich- Michigan 20 Rutgers seven. It was 20 to three. And then my thought process was they would just kind of wear down yeah. Rutgers defense uh, because Rutgers' offense wouldn't be able to move the ball. That was wrong because essentially, I mean, this is what I think happened, okay? An extremely professional and, and fantastic coaching staff 
that Greg Schiano oversees yeah. made adjustments at halftime. Well, and Michigan's offensive coordinator and staff, they had no answers. Okay. They, they should be ecstatic that they got the scripted plays out that worked in that first part of the game because if not, Rutgers is is walking away with this win. Right. So I like what you're saying there, but I'm going to I'm going to correct you. I think the adjustments took part right around the start of the second quarter okay. because yeah. that is when Michigan scored their second TD at the very beginning of the second quarter and all they could manage after that for the rest of the game was two field goals. Granted they did happen in the first half, but I feel like those adjustments have happened before halftime. Uh, Hassan Haskins, he looked squeaky on, you know, on a couple plays, 12 carries, 41 yards, two touchdowns. Blake Corum did a little 68 yards, but overall 38 carries for 112 yards for Michigan. That's a 2.9 yard average. Like I did not I, I don't expect know, that. I don't know if they had, I'm being serious when I say this, I don't know if they had 10 carries in the, so 2.9 yard average is obviously under three. I don't know if they had 10 carries in the first three games under three yards. I know. And the other thing, if there was a bet, maybe there was a prop bet of who would have more rushing yards in this game, there, there was no oh chance gosh. you would have got, guessed Rutgers. Not even close. And it was pretty, it wasn't that close either. 196 to 112. They easily outrushed them. And and we've been saying, where has Isaiah Pacheco been? He finally had a good game. He showed up 20 carries, 107 yards. And can I say my guy, Noah Vedral, he he looked pretty good Un- until the end. The, no I mean, one twenty to thirteen. That was the first turnover for either team. Late, late. There's a right. minute left in the fourth quarter. I mean, he's trying to make a play happen. I'll give him a little bit of a defense right there. But this Rutgers team that we saw on Saturday, okay, efficient with the ball, can run the ball. Obviously, is playing great defense and special teams. Does that sound familiar? By the way, right. They can win a lot of games with. This, no Ruck, this Rutgers team can get to a bowl. Absolutely, that we saw. They that can we get saw. To a bowl. In fact, something interesting, and this actually gives me weird faith that some people are paying attention. Rutgers actually got votes in the top twenty-five after losing to Michigan because I think people are seeing what we're seeing here. Well, and and the these thing- are, by the way, these are both pretty darn good football teams. Yes, right, right here. I want to make sure we're getting pretty down on Michigan. Let's remind everyone they won the game against what we think is a pretty good team. But the thing we were w- wanting to see from Rutgers is a little more offense, and we finally got a little more offense. Another thing for Michigan, they kept Aaron Crookshank out of the game on special teams. The, they, he had, they got the memo. Yeah, they got the memo. Yeah. He only had one return, and it was for eight yards. So good job, Michigan, because that that could have been that could be something that could have won this game potentially for Rutgers if they had been kicking to him. Try, that was why that was where my warning. So you're, you're saying special teams can play into a football game. I'm saying they matter. How many people just cringed when I said that just now? I mean, we've already talked one with Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that's one place where the special teams obviously took over. I would say this is the second because it of plays that never happened. Right. So, but Michigan got the win. Okay. I think I was going to say this as a theme before, and we just kind of got off, but. The overused term is it, but it's it, it's appropriately used this year. Survive and advance. Survive yeah. and advance. Absolutely. Michigan Mo- did it. Is is as that applies this year as much as any year that Since I can remember so far. We've been following college football. Yes, that, that's what I think too. With the win, Michigan moves to four and zero. Rutgers drops to a very respectable three and one. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon, 
and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Next game up, Iowa 24, Colorado State 14. Eesh. Hawks with 278 yards of total offense to the Rams 250. It was a, it was a butt clencher, buddy. You know, I, I know, you, and rightfully so, you get upset a lot of times when people talk about the style of play for Iowa and not being aesthetically pleasing, but this was ugly. It was not a good-looking game. Um, so 12 first downs. Not great. Not great, Bob. Um, I know that this is this is like into superstitious stuff, and it's stupid. So I just want to preface it by saying I know this is stupid. But I was confident about this game all week long. Not that I thought Iowa would be up. 30 to nothing at halftime. That's just not how it goes. But I just thought, okay, this is Iowa was a little bit flat versus Kent State last week. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Then after the morning games and upsets brewing everywhere, I suddenly got nervous 10 minutes before kickoff where I'm like, it's going to be one of those crazy days in, in college football. And Iowa's going to be one of the stories that's going to happen. I know that it doesn't really affect what happens between the white lines in Kinnick Stadium, but doesn't it feel like it does affect it at some point, or am I am I just being a weirdo? You mean just like the outside noise, like it kind of seeps in eventually? It, it's just like there's some sort of I think it nationwide, must. you know, like... like Though there's got to be a momentum to it, I right? Know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but Well, here's, here's a thing that was really ugly. The 1.7 yards per rush yes. that the Hawkeyes had yes. versus this, you know whatever serviceable okay maybe not so okay Colorado State defense they loaded the box and they asked Petrus to beat them and you know they won the game 15 to 23 not terrible two touchdowns one interception pretty pretty solid game actually if you look at his stat line 225 yards on 23 attempts if I took you on a journey to explain the issues with Iowa's offense by the time the journey was over I would need a compass and a canteen to get back home to, to, I mean, this is, that starts with the offensive line. Okay. Um, our guy, Ryan Burns, he's been exceedingly wrong on one thing, which was how poor the Iowa defensive line right. is going to be. We'll get to that. But one thing that he successfully called out no doubt. is the outside of the offensive line. Yes. The tackles are young and they are struggling. Um, the word out of Iowa city is that, the front that Colorado State came out with was not even remotely something that they showed in the first three games. These are right. the little X's and O's things that people aren't aware of. Steve Adazio's staff, his offensive coordinator, all of these guys are very familiar with the schemes and what Iowa wants to do. Um, had I known that, I would have put a copious amount of money on Colorado State and the 23 and a half points you could have gotten it at by kickoff. Um, the announcers, uh, who isn't the best crew in the world, they kept talking about how athletic Colorado State's front seven was and that people are going to be surprised at how much improved this Colorado State team is. I hope that's the case because Iowa's offensive line what was struggling up front in this game. Yeah, I mean, they gave up three sacks. They gave up nine tackles for loss, though. 
that's, that's bad. That's bad against a team like this. Um, but then, you know, defensively, they had, they had sacks from all three of these guys on the on, just on the defensive line. Van Valkenburg, Wagner, Van Ness, they all had sacks. Right now, it is getting close to the point where Iowa's defensive line, because we've talked about how good Iowa's linebackers and secondary is. I'm not so sure if Iowa's defensive line isn't to the part where it's on par with the back seven. I there, think it there's might be. nothing that I can point out on this entire defense. Um, Colorado state put some plays together to get scoring drives. I mean, you're not going to keep teams out of the uh, end zone all season long. I want to just switch it over to the other side real quick for what, for what Spencer Petras had to deal with. I don't think his stat line was that bad. He, no, the big there mistake. Was, he had that INT before halftime, which put them huge. in a deficit. That Absolutely was huge. huge. Huge play. That was by far the, the play of the game. Iowa is going to go into halftime up 14 to 7 or up 10 to 7 at that point. That, that got him behind. The other interesting thing on the positive, trying to be positive a little bit, is that it sure seemed like Brian Ferentz maybe nudged his dad and said, if you want to win this game, we're going to have to unlock some of these plays. Yeah. And they did, and they worked. I mean, we are talking about scheming our tight end wide open, oh, where man. the whole defense went to the wide side of the field, which is where they run that play. It's kind of a zone stretch, faked it, and then boom, up to Sam Laporta. That was a wide open touchdown. How about Keegan Johnson? Yeah. The, the much ballyhooed uh, recruit from somewhere. West of Iowa. Anyway, Bellevue must be Washington. I'm assuming it's Washington. Probably, it's probably Can't, Washington. Couldn't be like Nebraska or something like that. Uh, a lot of Iowa fans had been waiting to see number six get unlocked. How about two catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown? I think maybe to a certain degree, the coaching staff is a little bit tired of watching the older offensive players not make plays. Mm. Somebody had to make a play. So, if I'm trying to look glass half full at the offense, when they had to make plays and go get yards and points, they did go get it. But consistently and things tied into the offensive line, lots of stuff has got to get gelled. Here's one thing that that does not need time to get gelled. I mean, we already kind of talked about the the linebackers, but how about this first stat line? Jack Campbell and Seth Benson combined for 29 tackles and two tackles for loss. Another thing that was definitely not on short display in this game, the punting porn. God, we should play the, the, the porn music. It was incredible. How about this? Okay, TNT, my boy Tori yep. Taylor. Eight punts, 348 yards, four inside the 20. And I'm not sure if he didn't get outpunted by Colorado mm. State's punter, Ryan Stonehouse. Seven punts, 358 yards. Yards. That's a 51-yard average. Wow. It was an incredible punting display that was happening inside Kinnick Stadium. There's a bunch of good ones this whole weekend. I'm going to point out a couple more good things that we're used to seeing from Iowa, but they just carried it along in this game. The defense forcing that fumble, which led directly to a TD right by the goal line there. And then, of course, relating to your punting there, Charlie Jones, four returns for 66 yards. That is just such an incredible weapon. A guy that can get to the ball, catch it, and advance is so valuable in this game, and it's underlooked. It's underappreciated. Literally just had the same conversation with my father-in-law earlier today. He said the literally exact same thing. The the wherewithal to track the ball, get yourself settled, and then get upfield and get positive yards every time. I'm not so sure if Charlie Jones and our punter, Tory Taylor, are not the two most valuable guys on the football team right now. 
producing yards for for your team. I'm, yes, I'm just saying. Period. Like most valuable guys on our team. Be, well, because there's such a lack of offense, that kind of is your offense in a way. Giving yourself good field position every time. I mean, right now my brain is trained. When we go out to punt and we, it's a short side of the field, and you know we're going to pin him deep. You're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Because then you feel like. Our defense gets the the offense off the field in either three downs or four or five downs, you know, and then our offense gets the ball on the short side of the field with a good punt return. I mean, that is yeah. we're, it, it's it, worked four times already. You can't you can't make a living off this the whole year, but I don't know. It's, but it's, it's worked so far. It's so hard in college to do that. I don't think people understand that it's it's not like the pro game. The rules are different in college for, on a punt return. So you, it's just harder to do. Correct. And then you see, and shout out to our special teams coach, LeVar Woods, again, because you don't see a lot of holdings on the punt returns right. either. That's another thing to point out. One last thing. I mean, Colorado State ran the ball 48 times for 95 yards. It's it's basically, it's two-yard average. Wow. I mean, it's just, and they were getting yards in the first half. It was just clamped down after that. Yeah. With the win, Iowa moves to 4-0. and oh. Next game up, here we go. Maryland, 37 Kent State 16, the Terps with 526 yards of total offense. The Golden Flashes had 458 yards of total offense. If you watch this game, all right, Maryland was definitely the better football team, definitely the most, the more explosive football teams. But there was like three, four, five times that Kent State was getting back into this game. And either a penalty brought a big playback. They had a fake field goal that worked perfectly for a touchdown in the game that would have made this tighter. But every time Maryland had to answer, they did. Uh, Every time Kent State needed the play, it was taken back. Kent State moved the ball. But in the end, right now, our guy Locks is just He's just playing a video game out there, calling plays. Lax is locked in. Now, they did have a bit of a slow start. Leah threw an INT early, but then he, you know, he put that past him and had a great game. We're going to talk about players of the week later on. He's definitely going to be in that conversation. Is this right now the best quarterback in the Big Ten? I don't, I don't, I don't, it's either, might be Sean Clifford. It's either, I would say Sean Clifford because. The level of competition yeah. that Sean Clifford has gone up against playing Wisconsin and uh, uh, Auburn, I don't think Maryland has seen that. Although that uh, West Virginia win at the beginning of the year had had the potential to be a gigantic win for a while there, West Virginia took um, an overrated Oklahoma team right down to the wire before Oklahoma pulled it out. Uh, so that's definitely their best win so far. Um I don't know what to say other than, you know, they gave up quite a few yards. The the Penn yep. State's uh, quarterback, who I think is very slippery and good. He had 300 yards passing. They gave up 150 yards on the ground, which ain't bad, okay? Uh, Texas A&M, another team that was overrated and got beat this weekend. Texas A&M gave up 220-something yards to Kent State. So Maryland giving up 150 Again, to me, points at what this is, which is an improved Maryland defense. Yeah, this is I just mean, an improved Maryland team across it the is, board. No doubt. It's improved in all facets. But it's kind of hard to look and say 458 yards. Is their defense improved? But I, I do think it is. They also had five sacks in this game. And this is, remind people, this is a good Kent State offense, too. I, I think it's real good. The, the one thing I would say about the Kent State team that's not good is their offensive line. I think that's 
the one position where they're they're kind of missing something. So, but the the things that that we have harped on locks and Maryland yeah. for the last two years of this podcast are defense and inconsistency on offense. The defense has improved, and they are consistent on offense. Yeah, there's, there is some room for improvement. Still, nine penalties, 120 the, yards those, of penalties. Those penalties, My. those penalties that get you against better teams. Yeah, for but, sure. And I mean, 37 to 16. So I lost money on this game. I so took this, Kent State and the points. It, it this was a Kent State 14 and a half point cover, like. Like seven different times, I'm telling you, but but sure. they never could come. I mean, they had the ball late in the game. They could have made it uh, 37 to 23, which would have been a cover uh, for the game at 14 and a half points. So I felt like Vegas was was on it. But again, credit to Maryland. They come up with the plays when they need to. That's all there is to it. Like Tan Fleet Davis only had 60 yards, but on a 6.8 yard average. I mean, he only carried the ball seven times. He just didn't need to carry the ball that much. They they just they were scoring too quick. Yeah, and let's point out Tolia Tagovailoa, thirty-one of forty-one for three eighty-four. He averaged nine point four yards per attempt. Three touchdowns. That one early pick that I pointed out. Dante Demas, huge game. Four receptions, one hundred eight yards, touchdown. Jay Sean Jones had seventy-eight yards. Now, strangely, Rakim Jarrett is a little bit. Yeah, he's kind of vanished. He only yeah. had one reception for six yards it was a touchdown though right. give him give him credit there but love to see a little more out of rakim jarrett moving forward now this is the fourth win for the terps right yeah four and oh four and oh in their quest for 10 they're they're 40 percent there they're checking them off baby and i tell you what with the win maryland moves to a very impressive four and oh they should be ranked if they had an sec emblem on the front of their jersey yeah. they would be ranked they deserve to be ranked and i I predicted them four and eight, so they're already there. I the the we we scoffed at their season total, which Vegas set at five point five. Those desert. People. I know. I mean, they're they're gonna go but over. They're 5. gonna go 5. over. I mean, sure. there's no doubt about it, unless you know something bad happens. But anyways, all right. Next game up, Purdue thirteen, Illinois nine. The Boilermakers with three hundred and fifteen yards of total offense to the Illini's. 275. Going to stress the ill in Illinois. So <laughs> Purdue, here's another team. You know, I was really skeptical. I know their defense was playing better, but I'm like, how good can it be? I think it might actually be. It's a better like, defense. I respect this defense. It's now. a better defense. There's no doubt about and, it. And I know you're playing a putrid Illinois offense, but it, you're, if you're deep this deep in the season, you've only given up, what is it, 58 points or something like that? I this, believe the stat I heard was that the nine points they gave up was the least amount of points that Purdue had given up since 2007. So if you want a stat to point out that their defense has improved, that that one will do for you. That's impressive. Yeah. Good for them. Now, they kept this quarterback rotation going. I will say, uh, Jack Plummer, he wasn't looking that great. I don't know. I'm not sure. Did, did you feel like it was worthy of him being pulled for Aiden O'Connell? I, I just feel like I just feel like <laughs> Jeff Brom just doesn't care. Yeah, like, he probably like, just gets a feeling mid-game. He's like, eh, eh, this guy doesn't have it. Let's put O'Connell it. I don't. And so O'Connell, in some ways, was really good, but he did throw the two picks, right. which hurt them. Yep. But, but he finished 12-19 and 19 for 182. It's kind of feast or famine with Aiden O'Connell. It's a little bit steadier with Jake Plummer. That's what I thought we were going to get. This is my this is my double barrel lock of the week. After starting two and zero, I'm now two and two. That's zero and two okay. the last two weeks. What I the game that I thought I would see 
was it was about half there. I thought Purdue's defense would look good. Okay, not non-points good, but I thought they would look pretty good. Okay, what I thought would happen with Purdue's offense is just finding the holes in the zone, finding you know mismatches because the Illinois back seven has been struggling so much. That's what I thought we would see. But Illinois' defense it, it stepped up in this game. Well, right? Illinois' defense 13, giving up thirteen points yeah. with the with the touchdown coming late in the game. I mean, Illinois was leading right till the end. No, for sure. That's enough for, that should be enough for Illinois to win the game. Well, it should be. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. I want to stay on Purdue for a little while because let's re- remind everyone, they did not have David Bell. They did not have Mershon Rice. They didn't have King Daru, Xander Horvath. And then the tight end Durham was in a lot of pain after Sidney Brown just laid the laid lumber on that, that guy. Hit. He left the game, but they still had guys stepping up. Milton Wright, of course, we we all know him name his name, but Abdur Rahim Yassin had a huge game receiving uh, for the for the Boilermakers. Remember, now, we used to talk about Jeff Brown just being gutty. Like the, we, he's saw, back. we saw, we saw that it's back. So now here's the problem: they still can't run the ball. They cannot. Twenty six carries for thirty eight yards. It's a one point five. It's not average. a very good Illinois defense, but they also still can't stop the run. Yeah, because Illinois hasn't cause. been running the ball that well, and they gave up one hundred and seventy five yards to the Illini on the ground. Yeah, dude, Josh McCray, yeah. twenty four carries, one hundred and fifty six yards. That dude has just come out of nowhere. So, for those that don't know, he is one of I think only two high school recruits from Bielema on this roster right now. So, so that's I mean that. That's encouraging. That is encouraging. Speaking of 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 Beetle, um, he was apologetic after the game in his press conference, like you know, basically saying, "I know you're frustrated. I know fans, and you know, but honestly, it still looks like a team that has the ability to make adjustments and do things better than the staff before." You think so? Yes. Because I'm questioning that. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Good. This is a better Good. staff. This is a better staff. But then, it, okay, it, so it's I'm, not equating to wins right now because some, the, yeah. the 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 we've kind of talked about it before. I don't think the roster was great. Okay, no. you could probably even make an argument the roster was not good. Okay, and I would say it's worse than I even thought Me at too. the beginning of the year. So, and then there's been injuries that have happened. There's been some injuries, and then but you they mix were healthy that in with Purdue. you mix that in with quite a bit a difference in scheme. It, it is what you got. And by the way, UTSA. I know they beat, it's good. They beat it's a them. good football team, and I told people that before the game. And and I my my buddy, I was watching that game with. He's how can they use to, lose to UTSA? I'm like, dude, I don't think you understand that that's a good football. That's a good team, team. but and, he wouldn't he wouldn't listen to me. He and just I know UTSA, and I know UTSA. Virginia got killed this weekend, but Virginia has shown flashes with their passing attack. That this has been one of the sneakier hard uh, schedules. That Illinois has played that 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 Beetle has yeah. got. I'm not saying it's 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 uh, off the charts, but I'm just saying it, it's been a tougher schedule than maybe people think. So. Yeah, that's probably true. So the the controversy right now within Illini Nation is they had a fourth and two at Purdue's 34. They elected to punt. They pinned them down at the six, but then and they were up by th- uh, three points. They were up by three points at that point. Yeah, I think it's it was nine to six. They yeah. were up by three. They elected to punt. I, I mean, of course, you would like to see what they could have done on fourth and two. So then Purdue, by the way, drove right down for a touchdown. That that was the, the final 13 to nine. So, you know, a line of fans are upset. Why didn't you go for it? But I understand the, that call. I do, too. Your, your, your the, defense had the, only given up six points. Six points point. the whole game. No. So, you know, with Blake Hayes, you're going to you're going to pin him. Anyway. It's the right call. I know it didn't work, but it's the right call. 
Well, fans so, get emotional. So one one other th- one other thing to point out, um, as long as we're talking about positives, Josh McCray, uh, Kirby Joseph defensively, he had that beautiful interception deep in the end zone there. That guy's coming on. He started the year making great special teams plays. Now he's making good defensive plays. Look for number twenty five if you're watching the Illini. I'll, all you Big Ten fans. Now, here's to me. This is the thing with Illinois. We, they just still have. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah. Like I, I would take either one of those. Can Purdue? Can you just loan us one of your quarterbacks for the rest of the year? Yeah. Either one. Like, I don't care which one. I mean, Brandon Peters will make a great throw, but he, he's kind of he's got to be in rhythm quite a bit. It's got to the the play design has to work well, and then he'll put the ball on on the money. But I don't. I and I think. I don't think he's exactly welcoming hits. Is that fair to say? <laughs> um, I that's that's the feeling I get. Well, that's interesting you say that because one of he his... He feels th- the rush. Well, okay, he's definitely panicked that last play of the game. Total panic. I don't know what the heck he was thinking there. Just step up in the pocket and make a throw. But usually the problem with him is he holds the ball too damn long. There if he's go. afraid to get yeah, hit, why are you holding the ball so damn long? Yeah. All right. All right. With the win, Purdue moves to three and one. Illinois falls to one and three. Next game up, Ohio State fifty nine, Akron seven. Do you, do you remember the spread in this game? It was fifty or forty nine. Forty nine was the spread. Fifty two. Pretty damn close. It's insane. <laughs> the Buckeyes with a robust six hundred and twenty two yards of total offense. The Zips. With 229 hmm. yards. Why, why Why is that interesting, Kurt? Yeah, well, you mentioned that Vegas really nailed this line, so maybe somebody nailed that yardage total? What we are uh, hinting at is my podcast partner. We, we had a conversation. You can go back to the last podcast and listen. Um, we debated on how many total yards Akron would get and then kind of challenged the Ohio State defense. I set it a little high. I said, like, 275. You said, you know what? I would set it about... 230. Okay. They hit 229 yards. I was almost right. <laughs> I think that counts as pretty much being dead on. But, um, by, okay, the, the, I, I don't know if I'll be able to explain this, but let's say somebody uh, had not watched any Ohio State football this year. Mm-hmm. The first time, they, have, they haven't heard anything. They haven't, they haven't had access to, they were in a desert somewhere. No cell phone coverage and they were pulled out. Came out of a coma. I don't know, whatever. And they watched this game. They would be like, "Oh, this is Ohio State." That's the Ohio State we always correct. We've been watching. Did they? Last... Yeah, by and large. I mean, so yeah, especially after that first drive because Akron scored on their first drive, right? And then they didn't score the rest of the game. Yeah, and they, Ohio State they got just scored fifty nine to nothing after that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, now you wouldn't think, especially after last week's performance, that Ohio State would have come into this game a little flat, but. Let's be honest. It's hard for these four and five star guys to get to get excited to play Akron. So for these, sure. these things happen. Hey, by the boy. way, speaking of of nailing the the numbers on this, Akron had a chance at the end to cover. Yeah, they were on the goal line, essentially like seven yard line, and they I think it, it took a couple sacks, I believe, right? But they had they had a chance to cover. I mean, this is as close as you could have nailed that line. Uh, Kyle McCord. Okay, it's something that came in after we recorded the podcast on Wednesday is. We had a little bit of quarterback change at Ohio State. Um, we don't think that that it's an injury or it's an injury kind of. I don't. I don't. It, it I seems he, a little. It seems a little bit sketchy. My, okay, my read is he's just a little dinged, and they're like, "Why are we going to play him against Akron?" Yeah, that's my read. 
I still think they're going to have a little bit of a quarterback controversy. Well, I mean, they're going to have that for sure. I mean, the the, the, McCord, the Buckeye faithful is going to be. I mean, Cal McCord. It looked like the throws were in rhythm more in this game. I okay, but like. he didn't start out that way. No, no. But he, he, d- he did but calm down. But this is his first start. It's his first start. Can you imagine being a freshman? Your first start, you know, 100,000 people in the shoe. So he was nervous. I, there's but no he, doubt about but it. But he got past it, and he, he looked great. Then he that. looked good. Yeah. Uh, 13 of 18, 319 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Travion Henderson did a lot on not many carries. Eight carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Master T got in the game. Eight carries, 71 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, yeah, those receivers, they showed up to your favorite guy, Garrett Wilson. Four yep. catches, 124 yards. JSN, five catches, 93 yards. Interesting enough, Chris Olave, yeah. only two catches for 12 yards, did have an, did have a, a touchdown, but I don't know. He's Something's off. With, something's off there, too. With him this year. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's dinged up. But the one thing, I want to go back to Garrett Wilson, because that when he got in the open field there and he had that stiff arm play, that was incredible. He is he is a five-star wide receiver. That wears like number part. five. Dude. And there's a reason he wears number five. This that is how guy, many stars I got, bitch. That, <laughs> that guy... <laughs> That guy's would be good here or there or Sundays like that. He's he's just. I just love him. That's my that's my Buckeye man crush right there. Uh, With the win, Ohio State moves to three and one. Now we would be remiss if we didn't bring out another happening. But linebacker Kayvon Mm. Pope. uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows the exact details, but he essentially got benched in the middle of this game. Uh, The tweets were tweeted. And then deleted, yeah. but the internet never forgets, and they were screenshotted and shared a thousand times. But he uh, spelled out F U C C C Ohio State. F U C C, which I think means fine university in Columbus, that college. <laughs> something, <laughs> something like that, something right? Probably. Like that. Um, yeah. Uh, you so know, I'm wondering. Here's the deal. And Ryan Day got asked about it. I thought he handled it perfectly. I didn't hear he what was, he said. He was so I mean, first of all, they asked him right after the game. Sure. Okay. So he's probably Ryan, hot. no. Ryan Day is concentrating on all the stuff that he's got to concentrate on in on a on a game day. And he said, you know, I heard about it. I don't know the details. <clears throat> I obviously haven't read the tweets. I'm going to get all of the details before I comment on it. And then he goes, but here's the deal. It is my job and I, I owe this to the team, the players, everybody, that we play the best players. And unfortunately, when you come to a place like Ohio State, if mm. you aren't playing up to snuff, you get passed by another person that wants to play. That's my job. How else How else better can he explain it? Now, that's, that's exactly that's how you explain it. That's a pretty damn that. good explanation. I was just wondering, though, prior to you saying that, I'm like, I don't, you know, things haven't looked great so far. So is there a problem in the locker room? People wonder. There's Benchata. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Second to last game here. Next game up, Indiana 33, Western Kentucky 31. The Hoosiers with a very impressive 507 yards of total offense to the Hilltoppers, 458. Almost nailed this score. Western Kentucky scored a mostly meaningless late touchdown in the game. Uh, they would have had to have gotten an onside kick and then toss one into the end zone in order to to beat Indiana. So I definitely think the better team won here. I want to give a shout out to Michael Penix. 35 of 53, 373 yards. No touchdowns, but no picks. 
That is what we have seen Michael Penix look like time and time again over the past year or two. Some of the throws that he, I mean, that guy's got an arm. Yeah, okay. When, got a hose. He, when he gets in, <laughs> I don't even know if you, if you mean that. Um, I'm not sure why you're laughing. <laughs> you threw so, me off. Okay. We have seen Michael Penix step into throws. And and it is an impressive arm. We we saw that on Saturday night. Like we did this. Michael Penix playing like this, he he can win Indiana more games if if and he even took a shot and got up. And I thought to myself, was that good? Did he okay. need that shot to get up and say my knee's okay? I'd go back at it. I hope that's the case. I don't. I find myself pulling for Michael Penix. Well, and the reason I like the under here is just because we hadn't seen that from Penix this year, and we hadn't seen it from Ty Freifogel. Ty Freifogel had ten catches, ninety-eight yards. Peyton Hendershot had six for ninety-four. This is what I I expected to see this year. This is this is fit in. I mean, Peyton Hendershot and Ty Freifogel take off because their quarterbacks started playing well. Obviously, that's what we saw. But another thing that. Good Go running ahead. game. Yes. Steven Carr, 25 totes for 109 yards and two touchdowns. Now, I don't think Western Kentucky is going to be a defensive-minded team, but they are an offensive-minded team. I still remain bullish on the Hoosier front seven, and and, and back seven, too, for that matter, the entire defense. Um, their quarterback, uh, the, the 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 Hollywood name quarterback, he's very impressive-looking dude, okay? He, he makes some good throws. With that being said, I felt like Indiana's defense got the better of this Western Kentucky offense for most of the game. I mean, we were we were deep into the first half uh, before uh, Western Kentucky started moving the ball. I still think this is a little bit better Hoosier team than what people are are paying. They well, yeah. After the Iowa game, they got thrown into the scrap heap. Then they lose to Cincinnati. I just don't think this coaching staff is going to let them just just go softly into the night. No, of course not. Great coaching staff. And, and like we said at the beginning of the cast, if there's any year that this holds true, it's this year. Never get too high on your team this year and never get too low. And they're kind of they're regressing in a good way to the mean. They're they're progressing to the mean, I guess. And, and the thing is, do you remember when we when we looked at their schedule and we said it was like an EKG chart? It goes beep, down, up, yeah. down. First game, Iowa. Second game, lesser opponent. Yep. Third game, Cincinnati. Less game. They've won the, the lows, lost the high. By the way, they go right back up to play Penn State. Right. It's just it's been a it's been an up and down schedule, and that has played into the up and down performances we've seen out of Indiana. But again, not too high, not too low, like you pointed out. I think this is a team that can, at the very least, make a ball game. And it might. This may be important. I'm not sure, but Mike McFadden was back, had 12 total tackles, a sack, and a tackle loss. He's the so, captain of the defense. Yeah. He's the best player. on the, they got a lot of dudes on that defense. He is the dude. Yeah, he sure is. With the win, Indiana moves to two and two. All right, here we go. Big 10 game of the week. I've tried to organize my thoughts on this game, and I still don't know if I'm going to be able to explain this game. Like, like I was... Okay, it was, I, I was tweeting, you know, like, obviously Nebraska Twitter was just going crazy. So was Sparty Twitter to a certain degree, too. Um, like, I, I think I copied and pasted the same kind of, you know, DM to a couple different people. And I said, like, let's say I was talking to my a, a good friend of mine. He had a wedding, okay? He didn't get to watch the game at all. Okay. He couldn't get updates or nothing. If he's like, 
I saw the final score of the Michigan State Nebraska game, what happened? I'd be like, I don't know if I can explain it to you. Like you literally had to watch it live and soak it in to really understand how this game went. Yeah, so I think one of the things we brought up previous to the game was you had strength on strength with the Nebraska defense, the the Michigan State offense. I I feel like throughout the game, the winner there was the Nebraska defense. No doubt. I mean, we got to let, let me set it up first. Michigan State 23, Nebraska 20. Sparty with 254 yards of total offense to the Huskers, 442, wow. almost 200 yards more of total offense. First of all, I want to say, if you are a Nebraska fan and you are you you downloaded and you are listening to this pod, I just want to applaud you because yeah. I don't think a lot of fans would want to hear much more about this game or their football game, football team to a certain degree. Uh, maybe you're a little masochistic as a Nebraska fan at this point if you're if you're listening to it. But and we will get to Michigan State. Uh, but the most the, the story of this game, the best performance of anything on any side of the ball, as you alluded to, yeah. was the Nebraska defense for sure. I mean, it was disruptive. The tackling that I was very concerned about was very good. I mean, this is what I still think. This might be the best running back in the country with Kenneth Walker. 19 carries, 61 yards. Like, he's gotten that on his first carry. I know. All all year. So they, yeah. And the the thing is, I think they pretty much got better as the game went on. They played great, obviously, in the second half, but it just, they never got tired, I guess. No. The second half stats for Michigan State, five yards on 14 plays, zero first downs, and they won the game. How I, do you- do, I don't even know how that's possible. I mean, know how it's possible is that that punt return changes game, which special teams, special teams again. You know, we're, we're how many times we have to say that. But and the the worst part about that is Scott Frost said and kind of called out his player again. The punter kicked it to the wrong side. How does that happen? I don't. It was. Can you set, miss that? Bad? It was it, so and so because as you're watching the game, you're like. There, there was nobody on the TV screen with the punt returner. Nobody on the TV screen. Right, I know. Because they were on the right side of the field. And the, the punter kicked it to the left side. How does that happen? And speaking of, Jaden Reed, is he's a star. Dude, they get they they still got dudes on this offense. We'll get to Michigan State. But, like, it's just that, that it is the story of the game. Even the announcers calling the game, obviously Twitter afterwards. You literally sit there and you're like, are we in a simulation? where somebody is just programming things in and having fun. Like, okay, now Nebraska is going to lose a game like this. Right. Like you, you literally are, are inventing something every week. Now it all goes around typically two things, special teams and ill time penalties. So that was the story again. Well, and but turnovers. It, and the, turnovers. The turnover in overtime that just killed. And that kind of broke the spirit of the defense, I think, because that when Michigan State got the ball back, they were so demoralized. They gave up that twenty-three yard run, basically to kind of felt Walker. like it was. I don't know if it was, but it felt like it was the the biggest running uh, rush of the whole day by Kenneth Walker. Right. It had to be pretty close. Um, and you know, speaking of Michigan State, their defense is the the part of the team that seems to catch you know the most flack from the fans and media and whatnot. You got to give them credit too, okay? Like I'm they were they out on up. the 
442. I, I, it didn't seem like it that. It did not seem like that. But when you do, when you see how many more plays Nebraska ran, sure, as compared to Michigan State, that's not Michigan State's defense's fault. That's Michigan State's yeah, right. offense for putting. Them. Long story short, their defense actually stepped up and did pretty good. I mean, Nebraska only wound up with with 20 points on the day with all the all the time on the field. And yeah, they possessed the ball 37 and a half minutes. So and, that, it, and again, it felt like more than that. Peyton Thorne was fine, 14 to okay. 23, 183 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Adrian Martinez, kind of the conundrum, wrapped in a riddle again, 24 of 34, 251 yards, but no touchdowns, a pick, and the fumble that really kind of decided the game. I don't know what else to say, like, but on top of that, I shudder to think what this offense and then therefore team would look like if Adrian Martinez is not their quarterback. Oh my gosh. Cause he's, he's their pass threat. He's their run threat. Now Raheem Johnson did have Ramir. 19 uh, Ramir, I'm sorry. Ramir Johnson did have 19 carries for 76 yards. So that was kind of encouraging. He was the leading rusher, but Adrian Martinez with the two touchdowns on the ground. That's he, that's, he's their I mean, offense. It, it, and scary part at the beginning of the game, he took a really hard shot to his head I mean, at one point we thought, did did it did he break his jaw? I didn't know what was going on. So for a second there, we we did think we were going to get uh, uh, what this offense would look like without Adrian Martinez. Thankfully, he came back in the game. The offensive line is is it's blow average. I don't know how else to say. Now they like, gave up seven sacks and eleven tackles for loss. So think about how many sacks they would have if you had an a mobile quarterback out there oh, or, or even a mobile quarterback that doesn't feel the rush as well as Adrian Martinez does. Like at this point is, is, is that normal to Adrian Martinez? He drops back. He's like, okay, there's a guy wide open or there, there's a guy bearing down on me. Okay. I get past him. Yeah. I mean, that's, he's, he's, he's getting used to it at this point. It could be. Yeah. And that's gotta be affecting his, his throwing too. Absolutely. Um, but, but again, credit to Michigan state, um, there's good things going in the Mel Tucker program. Yeah. People nationally are starting to pay attention. When you are one of those charm teams, okay, I'm a big believer in charmed teams. For sure. You find a way to win games. Yeah. Michigan State did We're it on Saturday night. And by the way, we should mention some more punting porn because Bryce Barringer, yes. <laughs> he averaged almost 60 yards a punt. It was 58.8 yards. Dude, I put out a, a couple punting appreciation tweets. It's just... It's insane what's happening right now. It's crazy. And you, when we talked earlier in the podcast about defenses catching up, you you don't think these punters, these Australian punters that we I don't, I don't know if he's from Australia, but you, you don't think that's not playing into what we're seeing? It's playing into what we're seeing. Sure. Is it not? The punting is just so superior. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, so with the win, Sparty moves to 4-0. Nebraska falls to a confounding 2-3. The line that I have going in my head is is right now, nobody wants to see Nebraska on their schedule for Saturday. Sure. Including Nebraska fans. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't want to play them. I don't want to watch them play. I do not know what to think. I like the one. The... They are either the best bad team I've ever seen yeah. or the worst good team. I don't know. Well, and, you know, I'll give Scott Frost credit. He's like, I think we're a good football team, and I think they can be a good football team if they just eliminate all these ridiculous mistakes. 
like, obviously Scott Frost knows enough about football that he has addressed these mistakes, the penalties, the special teams. It's not getting done, though. Like, how does, what is the disconnect? I don't get it. And, 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 and he was wrong. You, there is enough available coaches that you can have a special, a committed special teams. Coach. I think you he, need he screwed one. it up. I think you need especially one. with him being able to be, he could be the quarterback coach to a limit, you know, and, and, the, and Nebraska fans not in love with their quarterback yeah. coach to begin with. It's Get good rid of him. Scott Frost, that is your job. And then hire a committed special teams coach. Because I'm just wondering, is it, is there some sort of lack of communication in general on the staff to the players? Because how do you have your punter kicking to the wrong side when everybody clearly knew that it was going to the right, and, except for the punter? And, and speaking of punting in general, there was there were bad punts in the game. Just, just I know bad punts. So that that's the one black eye on the Big Ten punting right now. Is well, Minnesota's got, okay. got some black eyes Too going sad. too, but. Yeah, other than that, it's pretty much unique. Your uh, elite special teams across the board. Okay, last thing we're doing these at the at the end of the podcast now. The week four Eisman. We got a lot of guys. They're on Josh McCray, 156 yeah. yards on the ground. Michigan State safety Xavier Henderson, 17 tackles. Woo. Tackle for loss. Shout out to Michael Penix. No touchdown, but a shitload of yards. Good for him. Evan Hull, 216 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. I kind of put them together. The Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, almost 30 tackles, two tackles for a loss. Luke Reimer in this game, another game where he looked good, 11 tackles, two behind the line of scrimmage. Sean Clifford, 401 yards passing, four touchdowns. Uh, Parker Washington, 148 yards and two touchdowns. But I really think you got to go to either the first or second best quarterback. The week four, Eisman goes to Tolia Tungabayola, 31 of 41, 384 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Not against the highest level yeah. of competition, but Sean Clifford was going against an FCS schools. Yeah. Uh, Evan Hall going against a lower yeah. level. Like, they're just, there wasn't a performance that popped out in a big game. There was nobody offensively in the Nebraska-Michigan State game sure. that we could point out, there was nobody offensively for sure in the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game. That This is the best we could do this week, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, certainly earned it, but a little bit by attrition, I guess, because normally we don't pick against a non-P5 team. But We we choose to have lesser stats against in a big moment. We just – there but was no candidate for that this week. It does Maybe kinda, we should have done a punter. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of go to show you that quarterback play may be a little important in this game. I think this game of football. it typically wraps itself into, lends itself into the success of your that's, football That's team. the kind of insight you get here on the Eyes on Big podcast. And that's Quarterback why you listen important. to me. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. Talk to you soon.